0: It is great to see you this morning. Have you smiled yet this morning? Some of us have woke up tired, haven't we? It's been tough to smile, but I am so happy to see you this morning. It's so great to have you in God's house. Uh, Thank you that you came out, and I really trust that God is going to continue to bless you in this service. Uh, I know our worship time is always such a special time just to connect with the Lord uh, in our minds and in our hearts. Um, So uh, we anticipate great things. Uh, Yesterday was a a pretty busy day, I know, for a lot of folks. um, Yesterday morning... Uh, we, I'm, I'm kind of in the crossover time right now. I, I went out to baseball evals to um, have a bunch of boys try out for baseball stuff and get evaluated so they get drafted right. So we were out there. Um, I told somebody once I left there and went straight to a basketball game to coach, somebody said, you know, asked me how it was out there. I said, well, I think I feel like I actually have to warm up to be cold. Uh, you ever been that cold in the morning? It's just kind of that, that morning cold. Um, so we're kind of in between right now. But, 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 but my mind is, is working way more towards basketball i um, got a, a, a group of guys we've been uh, working with this season. It's just been so much fun uh, to work with them, uh, but you, you get to certain points in the season if you've ever coached kids' sports, and, and it's kind of humorous because you realize really just how far apart everybody is sometimes. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to um, add a little bit more and more in because, uh, quite honestly, I've got, I've got a group of kids that's... Um, pretty, pretty athletic, uh, pretty talented offensively. So we can definitely score points. We have we have beaten our fair share of teams pretty handily. Uh, so we know we can score points. But we're trying to learn a little bit more about the game of basketball. And uh, over the last few weeks, it's, it's been pretty funny. Uh, I've got one kid on my team. Um, he is definitely um, – I don't like to call anybody the worst, uh, so he's not the worst. Uh, but he is uh, least better than other – he's less better than other people. Um, he's he's his first year out playing basketball – um, and he's just having a tough time with just sports in general, and um, his, his grandparents bring him in, and they ask me the same thing every week. They're like, when is he going to be as good as everybody? All right, so where do, you, where do you land on honesty on that one, right? I mean, like when you, you know, you're talking to somebody. So we're, we're out there, and, he, and um, a couple weeks ago, um, it was a pretty, pretty tight game, and he came over to me, and he said, Coach, he said, that guy guard me as a cheater. So why is he a cheater? He said, because he won't get away from me. I don't think he's exactly a cheater for that reason, but you know it's it's you know he's he's still kind of coming along uh, I've got another kid who um super athletic real quick um having a real hard time getting him to set screens uh and then finally, as I'm watching um the game, I'm realizing like you know I think one of the reasons why I'm having such a tough time getting him to set screens is because for him, basketball has pretty much been about how do I score the ball um so he's now just starting to learn what can I do so that we as a team can score the ball and be better. Um, my son, who's on the team, uh, we played a couple teams and and he has been um, he's been he's been fouled quite a bit this year. Um, and we played a couple teams that have really just abused him physically. And some games I have a tough time getting him just to make the play that I need him to make because he's looking at me like, Dad, they're killing me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he shot free throws. He had a kid drive a knee into his hip, so he's like he's there with the Charlie horse. So he's got like the tears coming down out of his eyes, and he's trying to shoot free throws. And and I'm I'm, I'm over there trying to encourage him, but I'm pretty sure from the stands it just like I was the, looking like the dad going shoot the free throws, stop crying, you know that kind of thing. But I promise I wasn't doing that. Um, but you know for this group of kids and and where we're at with the sport, um, really honestly, the the thing that I think would help them the most at this time. Is, is it's not just um, what can they get better at in an in a individual skill. They really just need to see the bigger picture of the game. Um, they need to know that there's, um, there's some strategy. They need to know that there's some things that they, that they could do. They could kind of get a bigger picture. They need to watch some college and NBA basketball. They need to see kind of a bigger picture to go, okay, that's what it ultimately could look like. Um, and, I, and I believe for some of them, when they start to kind of get that, a lot of the issues that we have now will start to be um, a a little bit more workable, quite honestly. Um, And and it's just a tough spot they're at. And and I think for many of us in life, we find ourselves in in spots similar to that. Um, If we could just get a bigger picture, if we could just kind of get a a bigger, deeper understanding, if we could could see really what was intent, the intended purpose of something, we probably could overcome some of the things that hurt us, abuse us, um, some of our... Our, our desires and what they've been historically over our life. We could probably get past just thinking things are not fair. We could probably, we could probably be a little bit better equipped to have communication, uh, conversations with people that are gospel-centered and gospel-aimed. Um, we, we could probably get there. I really believe we would. And, and where we've come to at this, to this point in the Gospel of John, um, I, I really believe in what God, I really feel like he's put on my heart, is he's brought us to a place to where we've, we've really seen some um, really foundational truths. We've seen some things come up repetitively, not not in a mundane way, but in a way to really get us to understand and and really hear and listen and, and be aware that God is saying something to us. Barely, clearly, over and over again. Um, we we've talked a lot lately about what does it mean to to live um, and 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 act and and talk and everything in the name of Christ. As Jesus continues to tell people um, that that you can you can live in Me as I live in the Father. Everything I do is from Him, and everything that's done out of Me is just is just what He's about and what He's up to, and and He's trying to tell them everything that you see in Me. All the resources will stay here to help you, but but this is also what you're called to do. Um, and for the next few weeks, I, I mean, honestly, I, I really don't know how many. Um, I just feel like God is um, leading us to step out specifically of the Gospel of John, um, and we're going to be in this series. It's just going to be titled um, "His Name o- Above My Name," because when we talk about the name of God, when Jesus is talking about being here in the name of the Father. Um, we're, He's not just saying, hey, representatively, I'm just dropping a name card to tell you who it is I represent. But it's, he's really saying, everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm here for, um, is, is for the purposes that God is doing. So there are going to be some specific topics that we're going to look at um, over the next two, three, maybe four weeks. Um, and, and those specific topics will fall under this idea of what does it mean to live in the name of Jesus. That his name is above my name. The things that I'm doing um, give him more attention, more glory than than just the things I do. Um, And and one of my goals is is for us to be at a place, um, and and this has been on my heart through this gospel of John, is that if if we have a conversation, if we have any kind of interaction, if if we even form an opinion on something, that we do it in such a way that what we communicate effectively really effectively communicates what God wants us to, who Jesus is. Um, so we'll be on some topical things that will be very specific. Um, this morning is a morning that I believe that God will let us see his word and some understanding out of it. And, and what you may really draw, what he may be speaking to you about, maybe a little bit differently than what he speaks to me about, but it will be consistent in his truth. Um, so we're going to start today in 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to be going back into the Old Testament today, 1 Samuel chapter 12. Now, up to this point, just so we're kind of caught up with the, the, the storyline here of what's, what's been transpiring um, Samuel um, is living in a time called by God to bring messages to his people um, following a time of Israel's judges. If you've ever heard the story, for instance, of Samson, um, this, is a, this was a period they were coming out of where judges were called by God to make decisions, um, to render a verdict based on God's word on an issue that people were having. It was actually a beautiful setup. Um, what God was doing was saying, Listen, live under my word, my authority, But when you do have confusion, and I expect you will have confusion, I want to use not just my word but other people to come in for counsel so that you can decide something and know something based on the truth of my word so then you can go act on it. The people didn't really really find themselves in a place of satisfaction at this moment in history. Samuel was super faithful. Um, he, he He was really an accurate, good, healthy leader according to what God's word was. The problem was, as you read in the beginning of 1 Samuel, the people have some issues with what looks like is going to be kind of a transfer of power between or transfer of influence between himself and his sons. Um, in fact, the people in God's word, it, there, there's no soft way to, to, to translate it. They just come up to him and say two things. Number one, Samuel, you're old, right? Have you ever seen somebody that that's just kind of the natural response? I don't know how old Samuel was exactly, but... But it's kind of just a natural response was, man, you're old. Um, and, and not just that you're old, your kids are evil. Um, maybe you haven't gotten to a place to where you've looked at yourself or someone else and just recognized them for their age, but you've probably at least seen somebody that had some really jacked up kids running around somewhere. You were like, man, them, those things are like spawns of the devil running around. You've got to do something about this. The problem was that his kids that were so evil weren't little toddlers running around wrecking a nursery department. They were grown men getting ready to make decisions and have influence in the name of God in front of the people of Israel, but they weren't living for him. So the people came out of this time frustrated and said, Listen, Samuel, you're not always going to be here, so what we want is a king. Now, Israel had never had a king. Um, God's intention was for him to be understood as their authority, as their king. But the people wanted to look like other nations. Other nations looked good when they had a king. It looked like it was in order. They, had, they amassed wealth in certain cities. Everything was centralized, and it went out from there. So they came to Samuel, and they said, hey, listen, this is what we want. We want a king. And Samuel knew that it was a horrible idea. He went, and he talked to God about it. And he said, God, he said, what do I say to these people? And he told him. He said, listen, go back to them and tell them. Warn them. Tell them all the things that a king is going to do. Um, how he's going to take their sons and their daughters, and he's going to um, form an army. He's going to form a wealth for himself. He's going to amass wealth so he can have the resources that he wants and he needs, and it's going to come at the cost of their livelihood. He said, warn them about everything. But ultimately, he told Samuel, he said, listen, them choosing a king is not about you just not being a good enough guy. He said, they're actually rejecting me, and you're feeling it. Which is ironic because we're, if you think about where we just were last week, if you were here for the, for the message last week or if you listened online, um, last week in John chapter 15, Jesus says this to his disciples before he goes to the cross. He says, listen, the world has hated me. He said, in other words, they've said no to me. And, and, and if they say no to me and you live for me, then it, it's going to really feel like in some ways that they're saying no to you. If you've ever had a conversation with somebody, maybe, maybe it was with your kids or a friend of yours, maybe a co-worker, somebody, and you were trying to tell them something that God's Word said. And it was wisdom for their life, and it was really good for their life. It would, it would bring them closer to Christ. But they were having none of it. And, and you really wanted them to understand, but they were just saying no. And it really felt like they were saying no to you. But really, because you communicated the truth of God's Word, they were really saying, in fact, no to Him. So it's not just God that is the same. We see that there's similarities in just the way we respond to that over history. So Samuel goes and he tells them. He says, listen, this is what's going to happen. They say, no, we want a king. So God appoints him the king. Now, this, this is the funny thing to me always when I, when I look back at first, first and Second Samuel. So the first king was the one that looked like a king. I mean, he looked the part. He was strong. I mean, his resume was flawless, right? He looked like the king, but very quickly he was seen as not somebody that was going to follow the Lord. The second person, David, did not look like a king. But he was the one, in fact, that said that he had a heart after the Lord. So many times in my life, I've realized that this has got a pretty strong spiritual application. When I pursue the things that I think look just right, that I really want, oftentimes I find that they're not really what I thought they were. I didn't necessarily find God's best when I just first started looking after my own desires. And sometimes the first look at what I got when I really saw what he showed me didn't look exactly right, didn't look like I, exactly what I wanted. But in fact, it was, the, it was the best thing because it was prepared by him and had a purpose to it. So aside from that, um, we have Saul becoming the first king. And in chapter 12, Samuel is delivering a, an address, a speech to the people of God. This is, this is kind of an inauguration kind of um, atmosphere, and what, and what he says is, is it, it's kind of depressing in some ways, because he again comes back and is like, it's getting ready to happen, and I told you that it hap- it's going to happen, but even when the people were not making the wisest decision, still God's word spoke through Samuel towards hope, and we've talked about this in the Gospel of John, and, and I pray that you see this every time you're in God's word. That yes, does he call us to a life of righteousness? Absolutely. That, that, that is unequivocal. That is, that is certain out of God's word. But even when we fail, God still weaves a message of hope into our lives through his word and through the circumstances and the people that are going on in our lives. The message of hope still exists. So this comes through. Now, here's how it comes through. I'm just going to read one verse at this time in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. Um, specifically... This is, the, this is the word of hope. The Lord will not abandon his people. Now, think about this. In this moment, God has called these people, these Israelites, to be his own. And they're saying, we want a king sitting here to where we can see him. Um, and, and, and God, you're just not going to hold that same place for us. But, but he says, he's not going to abandon you, his people, because of his great name and because he has determined or he has been pleased or has found pleasure in, making you his own people. Now when it says name there, um, it's similar to where when we say someone is making a name for themselves. Um, If somebody is just killing it at work, they're just knocking it out of the park, Everything that they're doing is just on point. They're, they're, they're not just on time. They're, they're ahead of time. They're showing up. They're working hard. They're staying late. They're doing everything great. Somebody may say they're making a name for themselves. I, I, I really like college basketball. Now, those of us that are Carolina fans, um, you just got to suck it up, people. It all comes around in the end, right? It all it goes through cycles. Um, but, but as a Carolina fan, um, you know, some of us may not be enjoying Carolina, um, college basketball as much. But what happens every year is the same. Um, at, at different levels, especially mid-level majors, you got coaches that have had a really good run for the last year or two, and other job openings are coming open, and somebody's looking at their resume and going, hey, look, they've made the tournament the last couple years. Their team is developing. They're, they're recruiting pretty well. They're getting the talent in their state. They're making a name for themselves. In other words, they're saying they're getting ready to get another opportunity. You can also say it this way. Uh, for the kids that, that, that spend all their time in the principal's office, um, the people that, that, that are getting penalized and written up at work all the time, we may say to them too, they're making a name for themselves. Because what are we really saying? Um, the, the pattern of their habits are communicating something instead of positive, it's communicating something negative. So we could say reputation, because that's really, at the core of it, a lot of what God's Word is speaking to here. It's talking about the reputation um, that He has. Now, um, as, as we dig into this scripture, it's really important that we see two things Because of this, Um, we can have hope, we we can have hope in what God will do because, number one, of his great name, in other words, all through the Bible, all through creation, all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, in the salvation, in the grace of Jesus Christ, he's working a reputation, he's working to be known. And the way, largely, that he's working to be known is through the people that he calls to himself. In the Old Testament, this was the Israelites. In the New Testament, this is us, the kingdom of God, the church, the people that are saved. If you know that you're saved, you're included in this calling of people. That's how he's making himself known. And his name is great. And, and, and the beauty of this is this. Um, I don't know if you ever have depended on Someone else's love and care really for for what you need in life. I I would use the example of of my relationship with Wendy If she relies on my love and my care for her for her affirmation for her encouragement for her well-being for her provision If she relied on me very easily she could step back and say you know what? Let me count up all the ways that Derek is likely to fail me and the list would be long If you have ever spent five minutes with me you would realize the list would be long and, and, and so very easily she could look at me and go, hang on a second, how secure do I feel because um, maybe I've seen something in his reputation that, that he has the tendency that he could fail me. Well, the beauty of our relationship with God is is that he will not abandon us because he was pleased. He thought it was a great idea to call us to be his own so he could work out this thing of his re- reputation through us. But because he's God, he can't give up on that plan. Because for him to give up on us, he would have to cease being God, and he can't do that. So our security, our hope, and that he will work in our lives, rest in the fact that he is God, and this is the way that he has designed it. And he, from the beginning, has loved the idea of having us as his own and working through our lives so that other people can know him. Now, he's done this in a lot of different ways. We see it in a lot of different um, examples of this through Scripture. Now, if you, go back to, um, if you go back to Exodus um, in, in chapter 9, you, you will hear God speak specifically to Pharaoh. If you've ever heard the story of, of God parting the Red Sea and bringing the children of Israel out of slavery, out of bondage, into freedom. He, he, he sends ten plagues and then parts the Red Sea as they escape into freedom. Now, you can go go back into Exodus um, chapter 9 specifically and read what he says about Pharaoh. Um, I'm going to read it out of Romans chapter 9 because um, the exodus of of the nation of Israel, this parting of the Red Sea, the ten plagues, this was quoted heavily, Old and New Testament, as one of the best um, early illustrations of what salvation was going to look like in Jesus. Um, Because if if you remember the part of the story where God's people um, millions of them, probably almost two million people, crossed the Red Sea dr- on dry ground. But then, when the when Pharaoh's army started going after them, the waters. Then God took His hands off that, and the waters caved in, and they died. Um, and, and we look at that story and go like, "Oh man, like how how in the world does that make sense? How could God love a, one group of people into freedom and, and then and then kill others um, that were against Him?" Well. Consider this. How is God working his reputation? How is he working his name? And how is he working um, out his plan in the world so that we can see it? When we want freedom and life in him, death always comes with that. Death to sin. Death to my old sin nature. That's got to die for me to be able to walk in freedom. The old slavery has to die for me to walk in new freedom. So we see God working out his name. Now, I want to read this passage um, specifically out of X, I mean out of Romans chapter nine verse seventeen um, as Paul references back to this story. Now remember, um, in many ways, this reputation um, as far as we are concerned, um, we are um, in, in other words, God's people. This is God going public through our lives. Um, it says this in verse seventeen: For the Scripture tells Pharaoh that I raised you up, or I let you live, for this reason, so that I may display my power in you and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. Um, if, you, if you want to just kind of test this, how, how prevalent is this written about in the Old Testament? Um, look at Isaiah chapter 63. In Isaiah 63, these the same things about God working out his name are written in there. Now, I don't know if, about if you've ever really thought of this, but, but I mean, this is the all-powerful, almighty God. He sends ten plagues. If he wants his people free, why, it, why doesn't he just send the tenth the, the, the plague first? Um, the, the death angel. I can promise you, you send a death angel and, and, and babies start dying in, in, in the Egyptian kingdom? Pharaoh was going to let you go with that one. But there's these nine other plagues. Is, is that for punishment? Like, Like, really, what is that for? God, why were you taking this kind of time? God's own word to Pharaoh was, listen... I did this, I worked this out, I sent 10 plagues, I parted the Red Sea because I wanted to show my name is great and this is how I work. I come and I give warnings and I give freedom and I do all of this because I'm God. And he said, and I wanted the whole world to say, wow, when they heard about this story and they saw evidence of this. And it's a pretty effective plan because the last time I checked, We're still teaching this story of Moses and the parting of the Red Sea pretty commonly, even to our kids and to adults in churches, to say, wow, what kind of God do we serve? This is a pretty common story. And and God says, "I, I, I called you as a people, and I freed you so that others could know that there's freedom in me. Now, does that mean that I always perfectly understand what God's up to? As Isaiah says, that his ways are higher than my ways, my, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Sometimes we really need God to walk us into understanding this truth. Uh, but I tell you this, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says it this way, that, that Jesus um, chose us according to the good pleasure of his will and to the praise of his glorious grace. Or in other words, to the praise of his glorious name. So again, consistently, even in the church age, um, salvation, the salvation I've received in Jesus Christ, is, is because God's name is great. And he is pleased to call people to him so that others could see him. Now, I I go through this scripture so that we could really begin to understand this idea, but I I want us to go to a different place in the word because there is a place that God uses a couple of really tangible examples. Um, And he does this in Jeremiah chapter 13 that we're going to look at today. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 13, there's two things that, that, that Jeremiah uses as a teaching point. Um, he uses this loincloth and then wineskins. Uh, we're going to talk about this loincloth. So um, if the word underwear offends you or you didn't think underwear was in the Bible, um, don't read the second translation yet. Just stay on the first one, and you can soften it with loincloth. We don't use that word much. Nobody really says, "How am going to go Target. I need a new pack of loincloths. Um, I need a five-pack. Um, we, we use the word underwear, uh, so we're going to use both just so you can see the meaning here. Um, in the English Standard Version, which I, I don't, Preach out of real commonly, but it's a, it's a great translation, English translation of the Bible. It says this For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. But they would not listen. See, Jeremiah was having a tough time with the people of God as well. Um, this is the CSB. Uh, that, that, that I most often teach and preach out of it says this just as underwear maybe you can relate a little bit better to this just as underwear clings to one's waist so I fastened the whole house of Israel and of Judah to me this is the Lord's declaration so that they might be my people for my fame praise and glory for my reputation you may say but they would not obey now um, what, what this would look like is this, um, first of all, just so you're not nervous, this is not a pair of my underwear, okay, um, this is not a pair of anyone's underwear in here, um, I'm using this because this was in the drawer of the kitchen, um, here at the church, and just, P.S., I, I don't, I don't keep my underwear in the drawers of the kitchen up here at church either, so, um, you can rummage through those drawers freely, um, drawers, not mine, so, um, this is, is just, going. we're going to use this just to represent this, this kind of this idea, this, this loincloth that they would have. And it would, it would be a piece of linen. Um, and men would wear this underneath their outer garment. Okay? Um, so they would take this and they would fasten it. They would wrap it around their waist. Uh, they didn't have leg holes in here. So it would just go around their waist. And this would be the thing that was covering, um, let's just call them the unmentionables. Right? Um, the, the, the unseen parts. Now, in case you didn't really listen to that scripture, um, and, and, and maybe this makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but it really does have a specific purpose. God is comparing his people, and we can translate this thought to us. There is a comparison to us as underwear. Okay? So, so hang with me just to make sure that you can appreciate this illustration. See, the, the reason that they wore this loincloth um, was this was meant to be worn between their skin and their outer clothing. So this was the part that was very personal. Um, This was the intimate garment. For us as believers, when God calls us to himself, we are meant to be close to him, fastened around his waist in a sense. Very personal, intimate kind of relationship with him. There's not supposed to be anything between us and God. This is what separated the skin of this man from his outer garment. We weren't supposed to live spiritually as the outer garment. We're supposed to be as close to God as we could be. Now, as as a man would walk around, if it was hot, if he would sweat as he traveled, then this kind of garment would begin to cling to you. And God's word is saying that that that's the closeness. Through the the stuff of life, as as you kind of wear through life, we're supposed to have this aspect of us that, that clings tightly to the Lord. Now, interestingly though, this garment, this garment was was also to cover up some, some special areas. You weren't, you weren't designed, you weren't meant to see those areas. But you could see the form of a man through this garment. It was much thinner. It was much closer to his skin. And, and what God's Word is telling us is this. God says, listen, like that garment... I I have drawn you close because people can't handle seeing me. In fact, Moses couldn't take seeing God. God said, listen, your head will explode. You'll die if you see me. You can't stand my glory. But God said, listen, I've I've clothed myself with you people. So when, when, when you're intimate with me, when you're close to me, when your life is clinging to me and others see you, they'll see my form through your life. Pretty, pretty cool illustration. So, so what has God called us to? Is he called us to have a name? Is he called us as believers to be known and be seen first? No. He's called us to live a life so that others see his form and his truth through what he does in our lives. Uh, if I have a conversation that's gospel-centered and it's good, then people won't leave going, you know what, Derek gave me some pretty good advice. They'll leave going, you know what, God's truth really is real and I believe this is what it's saying to me. And, and I'm thankful that he put somebody in my life that loves me enough to say it. If, if, you, if you share your faith with somebody, they'll hear the details of how you came to Christ. But, but what they're really supposed to just hear is is that you came to Christ. That, that you were far from him and now you're with him. They're supposed to really hear the truth of God's word. Now does that mean that we, that we aren't important? That we shouldn't have our name on things? That we shouldn't you know, have some recognition in life? No. It simply means our purpose is supposed to be aimed at this. Now, as we, as we look at these scriptures, um, I, I could go other places. Uh, for instance, uh, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, after the parting of the Red Sea, Joshua also parts a body of the water that, that God separates. It was the Jordan River. When they cross the Jordan River, they're starting to go into the promised land Joshua has this really intense moment with the Lord because the people, as soon as they crossed, they began to really um, complain and they began to turn their back on some of the enemies and they were almost willing to make deals with people so that they could kind of guard their own safety instead of trusting the Lord to protect them. And Joshua was grieved. In fact, if you ask a lot of scholars, show me a prayer in the Bible that really shows somebody that really gets it. I mean, like they know God, they know what he's up to, and they're praying the right way. Show me somebody that's not Jesus that wasn't perfect when they walked this earth. They'll take you to that prayer in Joshua chapter 7, I think it's verses like 8 and 9, where Joshua comes in and goes, God, your people, they're turning their back from you. They're they're, they're not going to be your image bearer in this world. Their hearts want convenience. They don't want you. And he says, God, if, if they make deals, these people are going to cut off our name. They're going to erase our name from history books. And God, if they erase us, what will you do for your name? He came to God desperately because he was saying, listen, are, 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 there, are, are there things wrong in, the, in, the, in friends of mine's life? Yes, but God, ultimately, what's at stake? God, your name is at stake. I, I don't want my friends just to live better lives so that they feel happier I want others to see you. And, and joy will be a byproduct of that. It's really at the heart of what we're seeking. And as we're in this idea over the next few weeks, we really want to look at some, some specific things out of God's word to make sure we're seeking the right things for the right reasons. Um, and, and I really pray that it's going to be really good conversation starters for our lives. Um, this is the prayer that, that God prayed. But just you know, kind of as a side note, through this time, uh, what, what, what's a good example of this? If I just kind of try to find something in the Bible of, of what God's really trying to aim for us to understand. Um, do you remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and, and they didn't have food? Do you remember what God sent down um, every day? What was it? Manna. Um, he, he sent down enough manna each day for what they needed for that day. And then on the sixth day, he would send twice as much. So when they gathered it all, they'd have enough for that day and the next day just to make sure that they would rest in the Lord and, and, and hear from him. And know that he was a provider now they often complained about that manna because it really wasn't a very diverse diet but that wasn't the point the point was these were God's people wandering in the wilderness and he was not going to give up on them he was not going to change his plan he was going to work in their lives and while their diet wasn't diverse it was a miraculous provision from heaven other, other nations around them would know that they didn't have food, but they would see that they were provided for by the God that they served, so they would see that image of God through their life, but they struggled with the frustration of not having the diverse diet that they wanted. And sometimes I know I walk very dangerously towards a territory where my frustrations will take me away from the Lord because I'm not getting the thing that I want, and I'm in that frustration, the quickest thing to ignore is, is what is the image that the Lord's trying to show through my life. It's, it's, a very, it's a very quick place to arrive at. I don't know if you've ever arrived there yourself. Um, I, I want to I tell you this. This is how Samuel, I want to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 12. This is kind of how Samuel um, applied this for his own life. Because uh, remember, he's, he's, he's giving them hope. It's, um, they're, they are in the middle of bad decisions, uh, and like many times in my life. I may not be making the best decision at the moment, but there's still hope. So Samuel ends this, ends this speech with, okay, folks, here's what I'm going to do. And, it, and he's giving voice to how he understands God and what he's going to do with God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 12 says this in verses 23 and 25. As for me, and again, he's not speaking for them. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and the right way Above all, fear the Lord and worship Him faithfully. With all your heart, consider the great things that He has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. Now, Samuel's confession of what he's going to do may not seem very personal to us. But I want to frame this to make sure that we understand where he's coming from. This is the first thing that he says. Um, listen, I'm not going to let my frustration over your reactions and the things that you're doing, I'm not going to let that frustration push me to sin. And the way he's talking about sinning was to be unfaithful to the Lord by stopping, stopping his prayer life towards the people of God. In other words, he's saying, listen, no matter how frustrated I may be, I'm not going to stop praying for you because if I stop, pr- stop praying for you, then I'm sinning before God. I'm guilty to him. So I'm going to keep praying for you. You ever been in that moment? Like you don't feel like doing it and you're desperately looking for the reason to do it for the Lord? Sometimes it's just simply, God, if I don't do this with my whole heart, even though I'm struggling doing it with my whole heart, that I'm guilty in front of you. And me being close to you and being a walk through life and cling to you so that others can see you through me is, is, is so much the big deal that I'm going to figure this out with you right now. So number one, he said, I'm not going to give in to my frustrations and allow those to cause me to sin. The second thing, he said, is I'm going to continue, not just avoiding frustration, but I'm going to continue teaching. He said, I'm going to tell you the right things to do, the good and right. In other words, he said, I'm going to to teach you just the truth so you understand, but then I'm going to give you specific things that you can go do with that truth so that you know that you're living faithfully for the Lord. And ultimately, he said, okay, and, and, and in being faithful, then I can separate myself from from frustrations, from what look like consequences. I can separate myself from this draw that I want to seek affirmation in your reactions. Samuel's able to really walk free from all those things. Now, as I told you at the beginning of this, that I think this is going to be an opportunity for us to look at some specific topics, um, be very intentional, and, and understand what God's Word says, and then find... Um, What we in those areas of understanding can then go do. Maybe for some of us, it'll be a conversation to have. Maybe for some of us, it'll be an action to take. Um, But it's going to allow us to walk faithfully out of the truth of of what the Lord says. Today's message, as as I even talked about this with Wendy, um, sometimes I I, I struggle. Um, This message is a good example because um, after this message... Um, th- there's some clear-cut things that I could, I-, I was like, all right, Lord, let me just go study those and-, and prep those and teach those. But I really felt strongly the Lord was saying, no, this first. And this is one of those messages where I struggle because I, I want to help. I want to even go to the point and say, hey, look, apply it this way. But that's not really what God's word does today for us. It's the truth of God's word that he asks us all to faithfully receive and listen to him and hear, God, what is, what, what is this saying into my life? which would look like this maybe. In this example, and I know this is odd, you probably didn't come to church today thinking you were going to be compared to underwear. But as you and me find a little bit of hope in this comparison, I pray, um, what does it mean for, for there to be nothing between me and God? What, what does it mean that through life um, I will be so close to him That that just the wear of life won't push me away, but will actually cause me to cling to Him. And in clinging to Him, while others that are farther away may not see the most intimate parts of God, they will see His form through my life clearly. And they'll know that He's real. I think sometimes the conversations that we want to have with people, uh, Matt, who's upstairs serving today, he and I were talking a little bit about something kind of like this this morning. I think sometimes the conversations that we want to have with people, we want to just have a five-minute conversation, and boom, they got all the answers. And, And they just jump on board. But many times that conversation is just one step in them seeing the form of God so that they can receive his truth and receive salvation so that they can grow in his word and get to where we hope that they'll get to. I pray that God is opening your heart. And I would like to ask you to do this. Through this time in life, I really feel like um, this is not just a growth season for our church. And when I say growth, I rarely mean numbers. I mean spiritually walking with him. Um, And I don't think this is just a time of growth. I really believe that, that, that for many of us, we're just teetering on that edge of seeing and hearing from the word in a way that our minds are just open so wide we never can see the world the same way again we cannot put it back in the box. And if I if I can ask you for anything right now, I would like to ask you to pray for that for yourself and for our whole church. That we don't just see and hear the Lord clearly, but we, we, we see and hear Him in such a way that we are forever accountable to it. And we just can't go back. Would you bow your heads just for a minute? Um, hearing this message today, and and in... What, quite honestly, is kind of an odd illustration. It's an odd thing to really compare ourselves to. We probably wouldn't have come up with this on our own. Um, But this is the truth of God's Word, and it's very understandable. Maybe you don't feel very close to God. Maybe you don't feel like um, that He has really drawn you to Himself. This is something that has never happened for you before. But but in hearing God's truth, you realize that there is a, a reality in having a relationship with Him. So I want to invite you, while we sing and while we pray, if you know that today is a day for you to start that relationship, maybe you have some doubts about what you believe or where you've been or whether God even does love you. But but you are open to the idea of that love, and you would be willing to talk to someone about what does it mean to be saved and really come to know Jesus. Because Jesus said, listen, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He eliminated all other roads in with that one statement. He wasn't, being, he wasn't trying to exclude other ideas. He was trying to show us the one truth. And that one truth is, as the Bible says in Romans, that, that salvation comes from believing in Jesus and confessing Him as Lord. We do that in prayer to God. We communicate that in prayer to God. And today could be your day of salvation. Maybe for you, it's just that simple prayer. God, I believe in Jesus. And, and I want to give Him my life. I know that He is Lord, and I want Him to be Lord in my life. So God, save me. Give me new life. Whatever has to die can die, but give me the new life that comes in you. It could be that prayer. It could be a different set of words. The heart, belief, and commitment is all the same. And we would love to talk to you about that today. Maybe for you, there's something specific that has kept you from that close walk with the Lord. And He's starting to talk to you about that. Maybe it's just this idea that you can have that kind of relationship with Him. Maybe for you, it's just you've struggled seeing the reputation of God clearly, or maybe you've struggled seeing the reputation of God and your life being one and the same. If there's anything that you'd like to pray for, I want to invite you up front. But I want, you to, I want to invite you to the presence of the Lord. I want you to just say, God, just show me, speak to me. Let me hear you clearly out of this message we've prayed with people over several different things today it's not only about what's on your heart and what's on my heart it is very much that we're obedient to what God is saying about Lord thank you so much that we get to sing now thank you that we have gifted people that through a tune and a melody and words focus our hearts with a specific message that we can call out to you with So God, help us to do that faithfully. Uh, Lord, let us take your word into our hearts to know that it's truth. Lord, to not be complainers by nature, but to be more intimately close to you. Patient enough, God, to see what you're doing and why you may be doing it. For what purpose? What reason? and, And maybe more importantly, what person? So God, as we contemplate on what you've spoken about today and as we look ahead to the upcoming weeks, Lord, help us to have great anticipation. Let us to seek and let us to long and let us to want. Lord, help us where we fall short. But God, most importantly now, I pray for those that want to come into a relationship with you to know, God, that they're, they know that you're calling them. I pray that today is their day of salvation. They come forward. They begin that walk boldly. Lord, I pray that for those that need to draw close to you, that in the way that you tell them, they obey. Lord, many times during the week, I thank you for those moments where sometimes you tell me to move and sometimes you tell me to just stay quiet. And the greatest thing in those moments, Lord, is just to know that I obey. And I pray that for everyone in this room. So as we sing, God, let it find your heart and your throne with honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up as we sing and this front will be open. Pray if you like.